Well, hey, Riverbend, happy Sunday to you. I hope you're doing awesome. This is Andrew here. And first things first, um, excellent news. If you haven't already found out by following us on Instagram or looking at our website, we, uh, God willing, this is our last Sunday that we'll be gathering separately in our own homes. We actually get to gather in person together for the first time since March. I can't believe it. Um, and that is thanks to the Christian Life Center, which is a church on the east end of town, and they have a massive outdoor amphitheater um, that they have graciously opened up to us, basically totally free of charge. Um, so anyways, um, do me a favor and DM them on Instagram or send them an email or better yet, like write them a note, stick it in the mail and let them know how much it means to you that we get to gather um, at their space. Um, it's a really a super generous offer. So here's a couple of the details. Um, it's going to be starting July 12th at 5 p.m. Uh, we're going to be able to gather there in their amphitheater. And um, it's it's all a beautiful manicured lawn and there's a great setup for us to um, to do music and all of that which we've been so looking forward to. Um, And here's what you need to do. Bring a lawn chair or a blanket and plan to sit together with your family. Um, It's a massive, massive space. So there's going to be plenty of room for the hundreds or a hundred, a couple hundred of us or whatever that are going to be um, there to properly socially distance. And we're going to be doing a family gathering, which means it's about 50 minutes to an hour tops, and there's going to be a lot of music. Kids will sit uh, with you, um, and we'll have a bunch of activities for them to to keep them occupied, to keep them busy, hopefully engage them in the scriptures a little bit too. Um, But also, if your kids get a little restless, that's totally okay. You can get up, and there's a few other uh, spots um, on their property where they've allowed us to like let the kids um, uh, explore and play. So there's a big field. There's also a play structure even that they're letting us use. So it really is probably the ideal venue uh, for us to gather as a church in the sort of um, like phase two COVID moment that we're in. So it's, uh, a, again, a huge, huge blessing. And I cannot wait to see you face to face. First time since March. I can't believe it. Um, and we're going to worship Jesus. We're going to celebrate his victory. And we're going to learn the scriptures together. It's going to be beautiful. Uh, but for today, we're also going to have a teaching from the scriptures. I'm super excited about what God wants to say to us this morning. So as much as you can, grab that extra cup of coffee and get yourself ready to receive the word of God today. And let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, we just want to say we love you. We're so grateful for your hand of favor and blessing on us. We thank you for our brothers and sisters at the Christian Life Center who've agreed to let us use their amphitheater. What a beautiful expression of generosity, and um, we're just so grateful for that. And Lord, we're, we're really eager to meet with you. We love your presence, and we want you to shape us, and we want you to form us into people in your image. And so, God, would you work on us today? Would you be our teacher, and would you, um, yeah, would you just move powerfully in this gathering? We love you, Jesus, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so um, what we want to do today is sort of explore the question, what is the future of the church going to look like? How is God shaping us and changing us? Is this time that we're in, like, like headed out of COVID, is it a trajectory-setting time for the church? And I happen to think that it really is. Um, throughout this 
this moment, I've been uh, meeting with a lot of other pastors over Zoom and sort of talking about best practices, things that God is showing us, and what this means for the future of the church. And we sort of want to open the door a little bit and invite you into that conversation as well. One of my uh, one conversation I had that I just found to be super helpful, informative, with, was with a mentor of mine, a, a man by the name of Chris Venand, who's a South African pastor who's pastoring um, in South Africa during and after apartheid. Really incredible um, stories of the gospel moving with power in that time and how God brought reconciliation through a country that is completely and totally fractured. Absolutely a leader that um, all of us need to be paying attention to right now. He also just has this beautiful prophetic voice for the church as well. So we, we were having this conversation now he's, by the way, now he's pastoring in, in, in Southern California. Um, and we were having this conversation, and I'll never forget what he said. He said, every hundred years or so, the church has a, has a church yard sale. Or I think he said rummage sale because he is South African. He had a South African accent when he said it. But the idea was this. There's a church yard sale where things that used to be super valuable but are now sort of collecting dust in the corner need to be cleared out for the new stuff that's coming in. And I, th- I found that to be super profound because I really believe that maybe this is one of those moments where the church has been doing all kinds of different programs. We've had all kinds of priorities and values and things that we've been chasing after and things that have value and things that are really great. Um, but, but now, because of the moment that we're in with COVID, a lot of those things have kind of gone to the wayside and they're collecting a little bit of dust. And what we don't want to do is to just just bring all of those things back um, without asking the question, like what needs to be gotten rid of um, and replaced with what God wants to bring? I happen to believe that Jesus has a lot in store for his church, for us as his people, and we want to zero in on what's most important during this time. So these past couple of months, I've been asking our elder couples, our elder families, and our staff to be praying about this and to be specifically praying about this question. What does God want the church to look like when all of this is over? And I've loved the collaboration, the conversation that this has brought. We've had all kinds of really incredible things that we've begun to talk about as a church staff, as an elder team. Um, but there was about five values that emerged that were like really, really um, seemed like a very sort of a loud thing that everyone was saying about these five things. And so that kind of led us down this journey of like, man, these are some essential values uh, for the church going forward. And like I said, there was a lot of things that we discussed, but these five, what I'm about to share with you, is what we all had in common. And to me, that just kind of highlights the unison of the people of Jesus and the unity of the Spirit. And so these things, these five values I'm about to share with you, I really believe are going to shape the, the church of the future. So here, here's what they are. I'll just give them to you really quick, and then I'll intro them. Um, the five essential church values going forward, the presence of God through prayer. Pursuing justice for the oppressed. Number three, formation into the image of Jesus. Number four, church as family. And number five, introducing people to Jesus through Alpha. So, uh, man, these are such exciting things for us to talk about and to like actually begin to practice. And so today what I want to do is just sort of intro these values biblically, where they come from in the scriptures and sort of how we arrived at 
um, these as uh, as a direction for the church. And then for the next six weeks, hopefully all of those times will be in person at the Christian Life Center. Um, we're going to be taking these values one at a time and looking at them a bit deeper and also giving us a concrete call to action as the people of Jesus, not to just talk uh, you know, t- talk highly about scriptural values, but actually live these values, which is, of course, what Jesus has in mind. So, number one, the practice of, or excuse me, the presence of God through prayer. Um, this is something that I think needs to be the definitive marker that defines and sustains and propels the future of the church. It's a, it's a people who are um, just captivated by the presence of God. And I, I would argue that the, it, that the power of the presence of God is the thing that is going to be shaping uh, the, the compelling voice of the church in the coming weeks and and, and in the coming months and in the coming years. And wouldn't it be awesome if this were, like 2020 was the year where we all can look back and point to be like, yeah, you know what? This was the time where we cut away all of the sort of the useless stuff of church, the 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 fringes, the stuff of like um, contemporary Christianity that was just like cultural, just sort of falls away. But the one thing that emerged out of this time is a passion for the presence of God. So um, the way that I the way that I look at this is we want to be able to look back 10 years from now and say, wow, this is something that God has done. And there's been so many stories so far in our in, in the, the journey of our church, Riverbend Church, um, where we've been like, man, this is just nothing but God. Like there's no other explanation other than to say just the power of God is with us and his presence is with us. And this is the stuff that I live for. Like if Riverbend was just about building a bigger parking lot and having a bunch more gatherings or just like a like a like a better church experience on Sundays. I just honestly, I can't get excited about that. It has to be for me. It has to be about the story of God. It has to be about the resurrection. It has to be about new creation. That one day everything in Ben will be under his loving rule, the loving rule of Jesus, and the kingdom of God has fully come here in Ben. If that's that's where this story is going, then I'm in. But it has to be about him and it has to be about that. Jesus is king over everything in Bend is in heaven. And that would be something worthwhile. And that would be something worth giving our lives to. So how do we start and, and how do we propel and sustain a movement that's immersed in the presence of God? Well, that's a trick question. The answer is really we don't. There's some mystery on this about how God works, but revival isn't something that we generate or create in ourselves. But look with me at John chapter 15, uh, verses 1 through 8. Hopefully this is a familiar passage to you. If you are a Jesus follower, if you've been around Riverbend long, you know we have anchored a lot of our theology about the presence of God in these verses. Verse 1, I am the true vine. This is Jesus And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. And then verse 4, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. 
and must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. And if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Um, And then verse 6, if you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. But if you remain in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Church, I just want to be the kind of leader and the kind of person, and I want our church to be the kind of church that just takes those words and just lives them out authentically, genuinely from the heart. We just spend moment by moment, day by day, immersed in the presence of God, connected to Jesus through prayer, passionately loving him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then living the power-filled, connected life of the of the Jesus follower who's passionate about the presence of God. And we will see a breakthrough, if not only in our own hearts, but that begins to spread. See, God is the primary actor in the church. He's the one who anchors the church. He's the one who builds the church. He's the one who brings revival. But we still all have this role to play. Um, one of my other mentors, um, a lot of you know, Phil Comer, and he, he religiously tells me this every time we have a chance to chat. He says, as the leaders go, so goes the church. He's looked me in the eye about a hundred times and said that to me. Andrew, as the leaders go, so goes the church. So if we want to be the kind of church that is passionately pursuing the presence of God, it needs to begin with me and it needs to begin with each of you. If you consider yourself to be a mature Jesus follower, guess what? You never graduate out of your early morning times in the presence of God. This is just what it means to follow after Jesus. And the more we practice his presence, the more captivated we become in the presence of God. And the stuff that we, none of what we do outside of this will matter unless we get this right. Everything rises and falls on leadership and leadership is equated to according to jesus according to john chapter 15 good leadership is just equated to uh, passionately seeking the presence of god and then there's this other metric as well or this other thing that we discover that is um, this individual revival sparks corporate revival so if this begins in us this passion for jesus and this passion for his presence begins in us. And then it begins to sort of be cultivated and stoked like a fire when we gather together. And as we meet in our Riverbend communities and as we engage in our care crews and as we move into the world as missionaries, it sparks a corporate revival. If you are hungry for Jesus the rest of Riverbend will be hungry for Jesus too. And if you're enchanted with the hope of the gospel, so will everyone else be. And that will be a catalytic spark for the people of Jesus in our city. So you don't start a revival. It's not up to us. But you do cooperate with the Spirit and you contend 
for for revival and renewal in prayer in seeking the presence of God. And the renewal that we want to see in the world will happen when we seek his presence faithfully over time. This is something for us to anchor our hope in and to believe in. It's like the the it's like the rising sun on the horizon. We begin to see the the first sort of signs of light and um and I my firmly believe the presence of God is the definitive marker for the church going forward. So will you passionately pursue the presence of God both with me but also on your own in your individual life? That's the first value we're going after. Number two, uh, pursuing justice for the oppressed. This is a value that has emerged out of this time. COVID has uh, made us recognize the disparaging difference between the socioeconomic strata in our in our community, but also in our world. We are experiencing in Bend, Oregon, a little bit of food insecurity, but that means that the developing world, places that were already food insecure before COVID-19, their supply chain has been disrupted in ways that we can't even fully imagine. And so the, the church of the future, the people of the future are going to be the ones that care for the oppressed, the hurting, the broken. Also, it's been an unprecedented moment. Um, it's been sparked by the death of George Floyd. You know, if you've been following along, we've had multiple conversations about uh, racial inequality and injustice, racist violence against black Americans. And the conversation, frankly, has only just begun. I fear that we've spoken and talked for weeks on end. Um, and there's been social media post after social media post, but we haven't fully dealt with um the 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 root cause of the root issue there's real reconciliation that needs to happen isaiah chapter 1 starting in verse 11 this is the opening uh opening sentiment or opening uh correction that god gives the people of israel through the prophet isaiah and this is what the lord says the multitude of your sacrifices what what are they to me says the lord I have more than enough burnt offerings of rams and of fatted, fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. Stop bringing me meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable. New moon, Sabbaths, convocations. I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. Your new moon feasts, you've appointed festivals I hate with all my being. They have become a burden to me. I'm weary of them. Learn to do right, to seek justice, to defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Bleed the case of the widow. Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Through Though your sins are like scarlet, they will be as white as snow. For they are as red as crimson, they will be like wool. Man, I, I hope you are hearing the power and the uh, sacredness of these verses. Essentially, what's going on here is, again, this is the opening lines of the book, and God is correcting his people. He's saying, I'm, I hate all of your show and pretense. You're bringing me all of these worthless offerings while you're ignoring the cries of the oppressed. You need to get this right. You need to go back, and before you start act like, acting like you're worshiping me with your whole heart, you need to go back and you need to care and love and be gracious and compassionate to the oppressed in uh, who are among you. 
So we need to be the type of people who learn to be the people of love, to lament and pray and empathize with those who are hurting the cries of the marginalized in our culture. And we need to be peacemakers. And of course, what you see here is that God is calling us to be a people of action, not armchair activists, not people who express outrage on the internet, but do nothing about bringing the real tools of reconciliation to the table that Jesus has on offer and being a part of a peace-filled solution. So um, so we really believe uh, that this is part of the direction of the church going forward. People who refuse to turn a blind eye uh, to the hurting, to the broken, to the oppressed, we are going to be the type of people who pioneer racial reconciliation and who pioneer um, creative efforts to feed uh, the, the poor and to clothe the poor and to, to, to care for the widow and the orphan. Of course, these are, these are values that the church has always had, or at least we should hope, hope to be able to say that we've always been focused on this, but this has been a recentering moment. A lot of this has been recentering to be saying, what is the most important? What is essential to our orthodoxy? And without a doubt, um, essential to our orthodoxy is caring for the widow, the orphan, the oppressed in our midst. And listen, there's grace. Listen, that was even in a, a very harsh correction that God was giving the people of Israel. He said, though your sins are like scarlet, they will be as white as snow, right? Which that is a verse that we sing in songs and memorize at Awanas and all the stuff, right? But but it's connected to this larger uh, judgment and this larger correction. He's saying, listen, I, I'm not casting you out. It's not like you're losing your, your friendship with me or your relationship with me. It's not like I'm, I, I'm, I'm disowning you as my family. That's not, the, that's not it. You, you can be forgiven, uh, but, but as my people, you need to be a witness. You need to be a witness, uh, a loving witness uh, to the world around you. And uh, essentially, we're just wanting to model the heart of Jesus um, to those outside of us. So please don't be guilted or shamed into doing anything. That's not the intent of this scripture. All all sins of omission, the things that we should have done but didn't, God will forgive you. God has forgiven you um, if you come to him with a repentant heart. But there is a future that God has in mind where we are pleading the cause of the widow and the orphan, and we are defending the oppressed, learning to do right, and seeking justice. These are all powerful actions. Like I said, not just good talk, but good actions. So that's number two. We're going to be talking all about how we as the people of Jesus step into seeking justice and pleading the cause of the oppressed in our community. Number three, formation into the image of Jesus. This is another thing that emerged from our elders and elder families and our staff families as well. Formation into the image of Jesus. Um, This is nothing new for our church. We've actually been talking all about spiritual formation in the in the previous couple of years, but we're just doubling down. Again, this is a recentering moment where God brings everything onto the table that's completely essential, and we decide we want to hone in on that. So, Revelation cha- or excuse me, Romans chapter twelve, verses one and two, 
do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So the question isn't, do you check the right boxes? Do you believe 100% of the right stuff? That's important. Uh, but what Jesus is really after is our obedience. It's about our righteousness. It's about us following in his footsteps. It's about us becoming like him, becoming Jesus-like people. Of course, this was the whole intent of the first several covenants that God made with his people in the Old Testament or the Hebrew scriptures. And Jesus came and did what we could not do, forgave us of all of our sin, and welcomed us into the family of God, but not to remain the same, to be transformed, to be renewed. So what the church needs now is a robust vision for discipleship. It's about who we are becoming under the influence of Jesus's presence, right? So as we seek the presence of God and we learn to do right, he uh, forms us or reforms us into his image. This is about rewiring of the way that we think. It's about rewiring the way that we move through the world, how we react and act uh, and uh, relate to other people. All of it. He's reforming our character. Um, and unfortunately, the the church of the late 1900s and early 2000s, got, we got really good at saying the right things but we didn't have a robust um, vision for real discipleship, how it actually works out. So if you've been around Riverbend long, you know we have been using this word of apprenticeship because it most closely um, resembles the word that Jesus used, disciple, in uh, all throughout the Gospels. A couple hundred times he uses this word disciple. And so so we want to be apprentices who are learning the way of Jesus, his lifestyles, habits, and all of that. And what results out of this robust vision of discipleship is a radical lifestyle, a radical lifestyle day in, day out, where he reshapes our love. So that's number three, What we're, the third essential value going forward as the people of Jesus in a post-COVID church is formation into the image of Jesus. Number four, church as family, church as family. And to us, this really feels like just like a return to our roots, both our roots as a church as Riverbend, but also um, the, the roots or the heritage, the legacy of the early church. So the very first followers of Jesus, after Jesus rose from the dead, ascended to go be with the Father, and empowered them with the Holy Spirit, the first couple things they did was preach the gospel, share the good news about Jesus. Thousands of people respond to this gospel and choose not to just, um, again, check the box, yeah, I want to be a Christian, but to follow after Jesus. And then they go, okay, what next? What do we do now? And this is what the early church did. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, the breaking of bread, to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe, the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, 
praising God and enjoying favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Man, I love this so much. This was how the first Christians expressed their their vision of Jesus, expressed their discipleship to Jesus, was this radical life together where they shared everything and they devoted themselves and they committed themselves one to another. This is what I believe is a compelling witness to the gospel. It is evidence that the love of Jesus is real. The resurrection of Jesus is real, is measured by how well we love one another. And it's not just about a trivial, shallow, 21st century redefined vision or version of love. It's Jesus's vision of love as he hangs on the cross. So we are family. He declares us hit brothers and sisters. And so this is how we actually want to live. Now that takes work. This takes work in a radically individual culture, in a world where COVID-19 has sort of pushed us apart for a couple of months. So as we come back together, the church of the future will be a church that loves one another like family and engages in deep interpersonal relationship. And again, this is radical and not so easy uh, to pioneer, but this is what God is calling us to. So, Uh, In the weeks to come, we're going to talk about how we live this out together. And then number five, this is the last value that we believe uh, God is recentering us on for the future of the church in a post-COVID world, and that is introducing people to Jesus through Alpha. Introducing people to Jesus through Alpha. Again, um, the mission of the church has always been the same. It's to spread the life-changing message and love of Jesus uh, to the whole world, every tribe, tongue, nation. And in some like generations of the church, we've done better than others. In our current generation, we've been using a methodology that hasn't always been super effective in a secular sort of near post-Christian culture like the one that we live in. And so as a church, we've been actively exploring how do we engage our non-believing friends, neighbors, co-workers in a compelling way, in a way that encourages conversation and is in a, in a way that's truly loving. And so we've discovered uh, this, this method called Alpha, which, which Alpha is just the method for right now and probably it will change a couple years down the line. But for, for right now, this seems to be the most compelling way to present the gospel and it's 10 weeks of dinner conversations around some of life's biggest questions where everyone is welcome everyone's opinions are encouraged um, and uh, you're not forced into any conclusion so a couple scriptures um, Matthew chapter 24 verse 14 um, says this and this gospel again this is Jesus this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed or preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then Acts chapter 1, verse 8, this is Jesus in the literal moments before he ascends to go be with the Father. He says this, Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, at this time are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by his own authority, but 
you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Right? This is the centering vision of the mission of God, and this is one of the primary ways that we see ourselves as, as not just like a thing that we do, but something that defines us and is actually a part of our identity is that we are sent ones. We are missionaries sent out with a powerful message of love and also uh, to embody that message of love. So um, again, a lot of times I think the hostility that we encounter around sharing the gospel is not actually hostility against the gospel, but hostility against our method. It's just not compassionate to the listener, to the hearer. And so we want to be the kinds of people who are cultivating gospel relationships with our friends, neighbors, coworkers, so they actually enjoy the process of getting to know the message and the claims of Jesus. So that means, of course, that we listen well. That means we identify with the struggles um, that people have, the barriers that people have to believe. That means we build community around the dinner table. We pray together and ask tough questions together. And, and then we gently and over the course of several months point people to the truth about Jesus, but also embody the truth about Jesus to them. And this is what Alpha is all about. And so as we've been praying as a team of leaders, we really believe that the future of Riverbend and the future of Alpha are inextricably linked. We really believe that we want to double down our efforts on engaging people in these conversations and inviting people into the, in, into the kingdom. Um, if you've been with us uh, since the beginning of the year, we launched our first Alpha um, in January. And it went beautifully well, even though we had to break in the middle because of COVID. But it's just been really awesome to hear the, the kingdom stories that are coming out of Alpha Conversations. So this is just a very brief little overview about how God is leading us into our future. We really felt like before we start meeting in person, we wanted to get this out in front of you so you can be praying about it, thinking about it, come ready to discuss as a church these five essential values are going to shape the vision of the church going forward. Again, these are the identifiers. These are the values that we really believe God is highlighting to us. And it's going to shape a post-COVID world. Wouldn't it be beautiful if we looked back 10 years from now and said, man, this is something that only God could have done. 2020 was the year where we cleared off all of the stuff that was non-essential, that didn't really matter. We sold off a lot of the old methods, a lot of the old programs, a lot of the old things that we just kept doing because it was routine. And instead we zero in on the essential things, what the, the early church was totally focused on, what Jesus said matters in the kingdom of God. Those are the things that truly matter to us. And that is, of course, the presence of God through prayer, passionately seeking Him, pursuing justice for the oppressed, formation into the image of Jesus, church's family, introducing people to Jesus through Alpha. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We recognize we need you. We thank you for a recentering moment. We are your people. We love, love your truth. We love your scripture. We love how you gently lead us. We love how you challenge us. And we love... We'd love to be able to look back on this time as the time where you recalibrate and recentered us as your people. Thank you for even the, the trials that we experience. 
Because we know in it you're refining us and perfecting us. We love you, Jesus. And we pray all these things in your name. Amen. Okay, let's take the bread and the cup. Take a couple of minutes to reflect as you take the bread and the cup with your family in your home. And we'll see you next week at the Christian Life Center, 5 p.m., the Outdoor Amphitheater. Grace and peace.